program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Each police calling all sides, attention all sides, brought Jeff 119, regarding a series of thefts in the jet room of the spiny Texas ranch. Tonight's true crime story comes from Arizona, and at the same time comes confirmation of a new contract Place by the largest county in Arizona, Maricopa County. Specifying that for another year, all sheriff's cars, all emergency cars operated by the county, are to be powered exclusively with Rio Grande Crack gasoline. This is a striking endorsement of the superiority of Rio Grande. In other cities, such as Los Angeles, Oakland, Berkeley, they also specify Rio Grande Crack for all police cars because it operates so efficiently in city traffic conditions. It gives quicker stopping, faster acceleration, and creates greater power and speed than any other gasoline these cities can buy. But road conditions are entirely different in Maricopa County, Arizona, where sheriff's cars speed over an area of 9,000 square miles in pursuit of criminals and on official business, traveling mountainous roads, over scorching deserts, where temperatures often reach 130 degrees. Under these trying conditions, Rio Grande Crop gasoline shows its superiority. The patented exclusive Rio Grande cutting process creates a gasoline with definite advantages over other brands. A gasoline which is more economical and more efficient than any other. A statement which is proved by the fact that more police and emergency cars specify Rio Grande Crop gasoline than any other brand. And now is our great pleasure to present former Captain M. Joe Mercer. Now, Detective Sergeant, in charge of the Dunco squad of the Phoenix, Arizona Police Department, and he will open our broadcast. Sergeant Murphy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. G.C.M. Johnson, my superior, is prevented by his official duties from appearing on tonight's broadcast. So he has requested me to print up for him. It places me in a rather peculiar position, inasmuch as the story you're about to hear is one that I solved myself. There is nothing bloody or exciting about this case. No guns were fired and no lives were threatened. But then, a police officer's life is not always violent. Sometimes he is encountering cases which are downright amusing. And of all the cases on which I have worked during my 28 years as an officer, this story of the missing $100 nightgown, the missing $100 nightgown, who are confusing to me. I hope you will find it just as funny. One day, early in the spring of 1913, Chief of Police A.J. Moore of Phoenix calls the eighth detective, Joe Murphy, into his office. Good morning, Joe. Thanks, uh, what's up, Steve? Well, I got a job for you, Joe. I just up at the Spiny Texas Ranch in Lubbock, County. I'm losing a lot of stuff from their room. I want you to go up there and catch the feet. You'll be registered as a guest. As a guest? Ah, thank you. I'll get the list with all those millionaires up there. Oh, will tell you, sir. No, no, I'm a copper, not a thief. Well, you get along all right. I don't see how. Well, you're going just the same. I'll be at home and get your bag packed and come back here in a couple of hours. 
My services will cost you twenty dollars a day. You're drunk, but I'll stop you. I'll get sober every minute. You haven't heard the rest of this deal yet. I don't like that room you've given me, Mr. Benton. We're going to move here. The best suite on the right. The sort of a suite that Mr. Chalmers Whitley has fired has set of the suite that has stoked me to death. I'm not afraid yet, Mr. Benton. You keep here in this luxurious style for ten days. During that time, I will not touch a single drop of liquor. And if it's the end of the ten days, I'll have a touch with your teeth, and I'll go back to foolish and you don't know me as well. How about it? Two hundred dollars is too price for the reputation of your two grads. That's enough on it, sir. I can't leave on a patch with you, sir. Suppose you won't stop, sir. Tell me where, Mr. Bobby, your arm. Well, you're a sensible man, Mr. Benton. I'll skedaddle with you. Now, that's the whole story, tell you. All I know is that somebody's been stealing things from the guest rooms. Now, why was this stolen? What did it occur? Come on, let's have it open. Let's have it open. began about two weeks ago. Mr. Potter was the first to report anything missing. Well, where did he allow? A half dozen pair of silk stockings and an expensive kimono. Oh, Mr. Potter wears silk stockings and kimono, is that? Now, Mr. Potter, Mrs. Potter wears them. Oh. All right, well, that's well, 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 Okay. Now, shut up, shut up. I'm giving orders. You have my luggage both to the bridal suite and tell Mr. Potter to get up there right away. I want something. Well, how do you like these accommodations? It's your take sentences to the first Now, all I need is a bride. Everything in your contract. Oh, that's too bad. Come in. Oh, 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 Mr. Potter, come in, please. Oh, hello, Mr. Evans. I, I want you to meet Mr. Murphy. Mr. Murphy is a detective. How do you do? Oh, Mr. Potter, I'm glad you're here. Mr. Murphy is up here to talk to you about a robbery, Mr. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, I hope I can count on your assistance, Mr. Potter. Oh, indeed. Uh, what can I do, sir? Well, in the first place, if you wouldn't mind if I had the door unlocked between our streets, would you? Oh, no, no. Would you consider it necessary? Yes, I do. Uh, have you a pass key, Mr. Benton? Yes, I do. Well, you might unlock that door between the streets and the street. Hey, uh, Mr. Potter, uh, uh, what have you lost from your room? Well, uh, uh, I heard about the silk stockings in the Cremona. Uh, what else? Oh, my wife has lost a uh, half dozen hundred dollar nightgown. Uh, a hundred dollar nightgown? You, you mean each nightgown costs a hundred dollars? Well, uh, I made five. Oh, oh, that's five. Let's see. See, if I was sitting in this room facing the door over the fireplace like that, Oh, oh, the pressure would pick up the door between the scoops, yes. Uh, Mr. Benson, will you place that door slightly ajar? Uh, uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, I can see through the door to the mirror on the dressing table in the bedroom, and it reflects the entire living room. 
As one accustomed to the place, she opens the desk drawer, takes out a wallet, extracts the money it contains, and replaces it. Crosses to the dressing table. She removes a bottle of expensive perfume, takes a half dozen lace handkerchiefs from one of the drawers, and glides out of the suit and unruffled you. Pippi picks up his magazine, chuckling to himself. The thief is a gorgeous and unimpeachable counterfeit. That night, Murphy breaks with custom and dines with the rest of the guests in the ranch dining room. But he sits at the table to one side and eats very little, for his eyes are on the county square, daily chatting with Dr. James, the house physician. Dinner over, the pair wander down the path leading to the moon gents' desert. Murphy saunters along, just far enough behind him, not to be noticed. A slow quarter mile from the ranch house, Murphy senses that he is being followed. Just off the path behind a giant cactus. Coming down the path behind him is a little man in a huge ten-gallon hat, carefully steering in all directions as he advances, gun drawn, steps by slow steps. When his shadow is abreast the floor, Murphy suddenly steps into the path in front of him. Uh, what's the big idea? Are you following me? Well, uh, well, hey, uh, you better put that six-shooter away when I get hurt. Uh, what's it all about? Who are you? I'm the deputy here at the ranch. Oh, you're the deputy, huh? Yeah, that's right. I heard of you. What can you probably have? Well, uh, what are you following me around for? Well, to tell the truth, you're under suspicion. This is Stacy Lavoie. We've been missing things around the ranch, and the boss told me to keep my eyes open for suspicious persons. And you sure look like a suspicious person to me. Hmm. You know, you're wasting your time as a deputy out here. You ought to go to Washington and join the secret service. Well, uh, I'm studying for that. Oh, you're studying for that. <laughs> well, it'd be nice when you get your diploma, won't it? Yeah, kind of. Well, uh, what do you do around here when there isn't any deputy to be done? Oh, I wrangle dudes for the boss in the daytime. And uh, following around with uh, nice little drum gun, eh? Oh, not all of them. Only up to your under suspicion. Uh, well, listen, Jeff. Uh, as long as you're picking up on suspicious things, uh, take a look down there in the walls and see if that doesn't arouse your suspicion. Well, let me run for a marvelous if it ain't a doctor and a counter. Yeah. Looks to me like he's kicking us. Yeah, that's what they tell us where I come from, too. So, ain't that a pretty fight? Uh, <laughs> I can see you only work lovely detail up here. Uh, you don't seem to be interested in the duties of the vice squad. Uh, come on, I'll walk back to that house with you. All right. I don't think we ought to interrupt the doctor and the counter to you. No, I don't think the counter's still seeing anything tonight. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, no, thank you. That's nothing. Detective Murphy, usually enjoying his private little joke, next morning instructs Mr. Potter to place some marked money in his bill hole and leave it once more in the desk drawer. And it is sure to drop a remark within the count of experience that he had forgotten. Towards the past noon, Murphy once more hears the door of the potter's seat open, looks up, sees the countess in the mirror. She takes the money plan from the wallet from the desk. Helps herself to a dozen pairs of silk stockings and a silver ashtray. As he's about to leave the street, Murphy jumps to his own door, opens it as he's passing. Oh, I, uh, I beg your pardon. Did you not? Why? Oh, 
with the uh, deputy sheriff here is to arrest you on a charge of suspicion of gun theft.
matter of fact, I never had seen a hundred-dollar bill before. I just wanted to make sure that if it was counterfeit, I wouldn't be stuck with it. Lorraine Frazier, alias the Thomas Taylor, was a great place to cut the in. If she couldn't resist the impulse to steal, the law would have put her in prison for Jan Larson's official offense. But in view of the fact that we recovered everything, she had stolen, aggregating more than $35,000, upon recommendations of Mr. Benton and Mr. Potter, the girl was released on probation to her parents and returned to Columbus, Ohio. Shortly thereafter, she married, but two years later, during the winter, she died with the flu. Thank you, Sergeant Murphy. Ladies and gentlemen, we are specially asked that every listener to tonight's program call upon the nearest Rio Grande class gasoline dealer and ask for a free copy of the Calling All Cars News. The new March issue is double-sized, full of extra movie and crime stories. And it tells all about the true crimes to be broadcast on future radio programs. Of special interest to every boy and girl are the many new free gifts illustrated in the Calling All Cars News. Magic police pictures, a G-gun, a detective microscope, and a complete detective outfit of many items, all given free to use as a Rio Grande crack Japanese. You will also find at every Rio Grande dealer a stock of Sinclair motor oils in cans. There is something unusual about these oils. They contain no paraffin wax, and all petroleum jelly has been extracted. This means that there is no waste, bulk, or filler as you get in other oils. It is this useless, jelly-like material that stiffens in cold weather and thins out in hot weather, or at high speed until your motor gets very little lubrication. It costs you no more to get thin pair canned oils, only 25 cents a quart for opening and 30 cents a quart for central vending. And you get only pure, concentrated oil that's guaranteed to lubricate perfectly at highest or lowest operating temperatures. Thin clear motor oils, order success, like Rio Grande Crash Gasoline to a policy of greater value at the same price. Frederick Lindsley, giving you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company.